You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret. What's up, guys? It's Enkrat here, Forex trader and founder of desire to trade As a special for the holidays, I decided to do something special. I decided to bring back guests from the previous podcast. The guests that really helped me the most, and the ones that made the biggest difference in my trading over the past year and a half since I started the podcast. So for the next three weeks, I pick three guests that you'll meet back again. So I get to show you who made the biggest impact on me. For today's episode, I'm interviewing Usun Trong. Usun has made a huge difference in my trading and in my whole decision to create a podcast and to launch my blog. He's been supporting me pretty much all year with the meetup we have in Montreal. It's definitely one of the guys that had a big impact on me. And he's going to share all his lessons that he learned in the past years, as well as how he was able to leave his job to trade stocks full-time. You will definitely get a lot out of this interview. And Usun has decided to organize a small giveaway. So listen till the end, and I'll give you all the details to participate in the holiday giveaway. On that note, let's go on with the interview. So what number is this going to be? What number of podcasts are you on nowadays? This is going to be, I think, 71, if I'm right. Oh, so wow, 71. So for the people who didn't listen to the previous podcast, I just did some math before, and this is going to be the 69th episode later, you're coming back to the podcast. So welcome again. Thank you, man. It's so good to be back. Wondering, Usin was in episode two of the podcast the second episode we did. And I, I was kind of willing to get him back because I've learned a lot from Houston and I've been able to learn really a lot and see a lot of what he's doing recently. So what's going on Houston these days? Oh, things are great, man. Thanks for having me back on. It's a real pleasure to be back on the show. It feels like just yesterday that was, I was oh, guest number shit. two on yeah. your show. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, things are doing, doing great, man. You know, I'm here in my trading office today, which I, you know, I just moved into about just earlier this month. And just been having fun uh, trading with uh, some other traders here in the space. And yeah, just uh, enjoying the trading life. So for the people wondering, tell us a bit what you're doing in terms of trading. So I know you've been leaving your and this is something new. I think you still have the job when you would talk first time, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've been trading for the past 10 years, but back in March, I went full time. So uh, yeah, in March of 2016, I left my good corporate gig. I was like, I always say, I was paying me a good six figure salary and I joined the ranks of uh, full time trading. And, you know, it's not without its discomforts, but it's been a you know, hell of a ride. So it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, nowadays I'm a full-time North American equities trader. I also trade index futures. And in my spare time, as, a, as you may have heard in, the, in my previous podcast, you know, I blog over at thetradingedge.org. I also have a podcast called Trading Edges. Um, and how were the first month of you leaving your job and then going full-time to trading? Did you find it tougher or more difficult or was it pretty much the same thing as before? Initially, it was the same. Uh, initially, it was the same. I think what it got tough when the markets changed. As all things, things are, you know, as in life, things are impermanent. So, and that was a good lesson, right? Like I had a good string of successes prior to quitting my corporate gig. And, you know, I recognized or realized that I probably would have a downturn at some point because nothing ever goes up in a straight line. And so, you know, I, I recognized that there was going to be some hard times ahead. And yeah, there were some bumps in the road because the market's they kind of got really, really flat. You know, I have a lot of volatility-based strategies uh, that I like to use, kind of like breakout and momentum-based strategies. And the markets got really, really quiet, you know, this year. 
So I had to kind of retool a lot of my strategies and kind of revamp the way I do things to continue to make a good living uh, trading. And yeah. the reason why I brought you on the podcast mostly is that you've done a lot of stuff that I went through, so like presentation and workshop and everything. And I think I learned a lot from them. So we did a couple of meetups together in Montreal. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the big emphasis you put is really on trying to get better and better all the time. Yeah. Well, I think most traders don't focus on that. I think people would reach a certain level. They just want to kind of stay there, trade, and that's it. But yeah. you're always trying to do things better. So tell us about what's the logic behind this and a little bit how you're trying to learn these days. Yeah, that's definitely a passion of mine is thinking about, you know, this kind of meta idea of learning. And, you know, you and I were talking just prior to us recording here. But I think that, you know, the reason why most the traders fail or they don't get as far as they want to isn't because of talent, but it's because they're just not practicing in the right way. And so you might ask, what's the right way? Well, you can definitely talk about that today. But for me, that's truly what sustains good trading is the continued effort to get better and better. Because like you said, and again, I said in the beginning, things are impermanent in trading. There isn't some place that you get to where, you know, the sky opens up and the money just starts falling in. You know, you always have to get better and better because guess what? The markets are always changing. We know that already. And number two, other people are getting better. So if you're not getting better and others are getting better, then guess what? They're going to leapfrog you. And so it's our task to continue to work on our edges to make sure that they stay sharp. So, you know, I, I do coach some, some clients as well. And I, you know, I see a number of common fallacies when it comes to, you know, the mindset around, around learning. Number one is that they're, they're just gaps in learning strategies. Some people just have gaps there, right? The, it's not because they're not smart. As I said, it's because the schooling system doesn't actually teach you necessarily the right skills to learn properly, to learn skill properly. You know, most universities or, you know, or high schools and so forth, it's all about road to learning, right? Memorization so you can pass a test. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way in trading, right? Like we can't use rational thinking sometimes. We can't just simply use the stuff we've memorized to become good traders because trading is a skill. I believe it's a skill and you have to embody that skill. So maybe I'll talk a bit in a few moments about, you know, this thing I've talked to you about a lot is, you know, the, the adult learning model, this model called, you know, the conscious competence or the unconscious competence model. If you haven't heard that before, then I'll just spend a few moments talking about that and just getting people, you know, up to speed around, you know, how I use that framework to develop, you know, my skills and my, uh, my thought processes. Yeah. And that's definitely a big thing. But the one thing I want to know is what yeah. kind of medium do you use to learn? Is it mostly books? Is it seminars? Is it having a coach? What do you think is the best way for people to learn? Oh, I think it's all of them. It's based upon what strengths and what weaknesses you're trying to develop or cultivate. So, you know, the good thing is that if you're, if you're new to trading, then it's easy. Just pick up a book, right? Because you have a lot of weaknesses and, you know, pretty much anything will help you. Now, as you get, you know, more and more developed and more refined in your trading, then sometimes you need to find a coach to help you find those edges that you can't find yourself. Right. Because sometimes you don't see your weaknesses in your trading and you need outside eyes to say, all right, well, you know, I don't know if you can see this, but you're actually not that good at these areas. So take sometimes a bit of discomfort, like you have to sit through that discomfort or be willing to accept it. And that, again, is a weakness that a lot of people have is that they don't want to confront their weaknesses and their discomforts because it doesn't feel good. Right. Like no one wants to admit that they're bad at something. Uh, Most people simply want to work on the stuff they're good at because it feels good. But unfortunately, in this game, it's usually what you're really bad at that comes back to bite you in the, in the ass, right? So yeah, this process that I'll be talking about is really about developing both your strengths and weaknesses so that you can develop evenly. Otherwise, if you only work on your strengths and you leave your weaknesses alone, 
what you'll find out is that you have very, very patchy and inconsistent trading. Mm-hmm. And when you break down or when eventually when you, know, you, you blow up or things go wrong, you actually don't recognize or it takes you a long time to realize what actually went wrong because you unfortunately don't have a good assessment of your strengths and weaknesses. You've only been focusing maybe on the, on the top tier of your trading. And the final thing, you know, I'll, just, I'll just throw it in there. A lot of people don't recognize the difference between capacity and capability. Right. So this goes back to what, how people learn in school. Just because you know something doesn't mean you can actually execute. Right. So I talk to a lot of you know, clients and traders and they'll say, well, I can't believe I couldn't see that setup during the day. You know, I was looking at the charts after the session closed and there was a setup, but I didn't see it during the trading day. Guess what? You know, you have the capacity, you know, technical analysis to be able to spot the setup. But during the trading day, you actually don't have the capacity to actually be able to sink into and take that trade. You actually don't physically see it. And that's because of a number of reasons. That could be because of, you know, heightened levels of emotions or simply that you don't have that skill at the area yet of unconscious competence to be able to see that in times of stress or duress. Mm -hmm. And how exactly do you work on this? How do you develop this The capacity to be able to, because everyone wants to see the trades when they don't see them, right? Everyone wants to be able to identify all the trades. Yeah. Is it something you can work on or is it something just with time you're going to get better at it? Yeah, with time. With time and, you know, as everyone, as is, you know, it's quite popular nowadays through deliberate practice, uh-huh. right? That, that, uh, that term is, uh, you know, made popular by Malcolm Gladwell in his book called Blink. Yeah, but, so you know, what's the, the difference between deliberate practice and just practice? Yeah, so, you know, I think it's pretty easy to, to distinguish. You know, we've heard that saying, practice makes perfect. But what's really true is, Perfect practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So here's an example that Anders Ericsson, the guy I just talked about, gave in his book called Peak, which just came out this year. It's a really, really good book for folks who want to really delve into this idea of meta-learning or metacognition. And so you know, he says, you don't get better at playing the game. You know? So in trading, you don't get better by trading. People might scratch their head and say, what do you mean you don't get, by tra- get better at trading? I heard that I need to spend you know, 10,000 hours looking at screens and then I'll be uh, good at trading. But if you actually think about what it is, that's actually a bit of a myth because doing something over and over again doesn't actually make you better. In fact, it's a recipe for stagnation and maybe even overall decline after a while because trying harder doesn't make you any better. Yeah, it's actually about doing things and working on things, the things that you want to be working on and cultivating that so you're getting better at those things. So I'll give an example. So think about tennis, right? So when you first go out on the court, you get yourself a, you know, a ball and a racket. Maybe the first thing you do is you, you, know, you practice by hitting against the backboard, right? And you, know, you hit the ball and eventually you realize, you know, I'm pretty bad at this. I can barely hit the ball. I can barely, you know, it comes back. I hit, my, I hit myself sometimes. I, I may want to get a coach to teach me how to play the game. So you go off, you get yourself a coach. You know, you, you see a coach maybe two or three times a week and you get good enough where you can now get on the court with some friends. You get on the court with some friends you know, and after a few months, you know, you're, you're playing a game like, you know, it's actually a three set game now and you're actually be able to play the whole set, uh, whole, the whole match without being overly tired or, you know, without breaking down too much. Now, guess what? At that point, you may even be able to, you know, a few months out, you may even be able to play a whole match and not even think about playing, right? You show up to the game, you play against a number of different people and you can play the whole match out. But at that point, as I said, guess what? you're actually not getting any better at that point. Because if you don't work on your game, you're not getting any better. Because what's actually happening is that, you know, that nagging backhand of yours that doesn't seem to be getting better, it doesn't get any better. And in fact, some of the savvier tennis players, 
they begin to recognize that you really have a really bad backhand. And they start to take advantage of this by exploiting your weaknesses. So it's not until you actually begin to identify and, and you know, approach the fact that you actually have a bad backhand and begin to practice that backhand, can you get any better at it? So, you know, this goes back to this whole adult learning model, this idea of unconscious competence. And if you haven't heard about it, I'll just go through it really quickly. Yeah, go ahead for sure. Yeah. yeah. There's, you know, four quadrants in this framework. And it starts at unconscious incompetence, then goes to conscious incompetence, then conscious competence, then unconscious competence. So if we overlay that on top of that kind of tennis example I gave, you know, it's like in the beginning, when you first got that ball and racket, racket and you went off to try to practice on that backboard, you realized, you, you know, wow, I'm really bad at this. But you don't even realize how bad you are, right? Because until you actually started swinging the racket, you began to see how bad you were. At that point, you became to the point of conscious incompetence. You started to realize, man, you know, I, I have a bad forehand, I have a bad backhand, I can't really swing, I can't really do a good serve. And so now at least you begin to see your flaws and your weaknesses now. Now, once you go to a coach and he starts working with you at certainly certain areas, then you get to the level of conscious competence, meaning I can show up to a game. If I'm thinking about playing and I'm thinking about my forehand and my backhand and serving, you know, I can do it. And then at the level of unconscious competence, you can just go to the court and play, right? So you can just go off, play, and not even think about, not even think about playing tennis. But as I mentioned again, here's, here's the drawback, right? At the level of unconscious competence, when you're playing from that place, you're actually not getting any better. So, you know, if you have a backhand that's really, really bad form and you've reinforced that bad form, you know, with 10,000 repetitions, you've learned that to the level of unconscious competence. Now, that doesn't mean it's a good backhand. It just means you're really good at doing a bad backhand, <laughs> right? So that's the area that we have to watch out for is that anything you repeat over and over again, that kind of gets, you know, wired in such a way that it becomes very, very difficult to unlearn. So for a lot of traders, you know, it's a combination of both learning to do things the right way and also unlearning things that they may have learned along the way that no longer serve them. Mm -hmm. Now, the question I have, and I think you're the one who talked about that in one of the meetups we had, is that you want to do experiments when you trade, right? You, you want to try new things. You want to try to sure. be uncomfortable or to stay longer in a trade. But how yeah. do you implement those things one by one without screwing up your whole like consistency or your whole trading process that you should follow? Yeah, great question, man. Yeah, and that's the key. Like you said, one by one, right? And I think that's a danger is that, you know, sometimes as traders, we have kind of this shiny bell syndrome. We want to do a lot of things too quickly. And this idea of deliberate practice is trying to pick just certain things that you want to be trying out and then, you know, trying that those things out Maybe paper first, but then, you know, live as soon as possible so you can get into that kind of real fire scenario. So, you know, maybe later on, I'll share with you kind of my framework in which I use to kind of prep myself for the trading day and how I work on certain areas of my trading. But definitely it's about maybe teasing out the things that you really want to be working on and then working on just those one or two things. You don't want to have a list of 10 things because you can't keep all those 10 things in your head throughout the trading day. So if you can just do that one thing and try it out for, you know, maybe 10, 20, 50 repetitions, you'll learn some good lessons out of that. But certainly, yeah, you don't want to overwhelm yourself too, too much by trying too many things at the same time, because then the, your results will get all skewed, right? You'll never know. You'll never know what, you know, what caused that effect or that effect. So, yeah. So you want to do one thing until you master it, right? Until you know that you can do it every single time. Until you know, know it's a better way to do things, right? 
Yeah. And I, you know, I would say you can play with that, right? Like, I don't say, I don't think you have to just do just one thing because some people by doing more than one thing at a time, they can stay more motivated, right? So it's balancing that spectrum, right? So if it's one thing's not, you know, if that's going to bore you, then maybe you need to do a few things at a time, right? So it's about engaging, all right, what level of things can I juggle where I'm able to effectively practice those things, but also keep my level of engagement high? Because if your engagement isn't high and you're kind of getting bored and you're not kind of into it, then that's not useful either. So I would say balance that between, you know, where you start to break down, where you can't, you know, juggle those balls anymore and where you're not being engaged enough. So for some people, it might be just one thing. If it's a very complicated thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or it could be a very simple thing. It might be a couple, two or three things. For me, for instance, for instance, I usually have about three to five things that I'm always working on. So do you mind sharing some of the things you're working on now so people can get some idea of what type of thing that they should think about? Yeah. So for instance, for me, and this goes hand in hand with identifying weaknesses, right? So as you do an assessment of your trading, you want to have a good recognition of what are your strengths and weaknesses, and then begin to tease out what things you can be working on. So for me, and you know, this is very straightforward, but you know, this is the, the big idea on peak performance. It's pretty straightforward. It's, you know, it sounds like a fancy topic, but it's really not that complicated. You really want to be doing more of what's working and less of what's not working, mm-hmm. right? So that's really just kind of the, the fundamental idea behind this. So for me, like there's two things that I have top of my kind of practice list. And that is number one, to only take the best setups. Sounds quite pretty trivial, but what that means for me is actually a fairly you know, long checklist of what that looks like. And I really want to be ingraining in myself, all right, only be getting involved in the absolute best kind of setups. And so, especially in these markets where they're kind of choppy and the volatility is very low, and I trade intraday mostly, I only want to be engaged when the markets are really, really ripe. So that's kind of one that I'm always working on and trying to identify, all right, how am I doing on this particular goal of mine? And then number two is, for me, is just adding size when it's appropriate. Meaning when I'm up a certain amount of money or when the position's up a certain amount of profit, I want to be looking for opportunities to be stacking or adding to the position. Because you know, it's my belief that if you really, really want to make a lot of money in this world or in this game, you need to be adding to your winners and continually adding to your winners as, they, as you're winning. And most traders, they actually do the opposite, is that as soon as they get a winner, they want to take it off because it feels good to win. But guess what? Usually that means you have big losers and small winners. And for me, I'm the opposite. I have small losers, small winners, and large winners. That's, you know, I think that's the best way to have smooth trading results. If you have large losers and small winners, that's, you know, basically a roadmap towards going bankrupt. So definitely it's for me, it's this idea of where I want to be pushing myself to be adding to my winners. And oftentimes it's not comfortable, right? Like you, you yeah. get to the place where you're like, man, I, th- I think the, the market's going to turn here. Um, but when my rules tell me to add, then, you know, I need to be practicing adding because in my rules, I want to be adding here. And sometimes it works, sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't, but I have the stats to say I need to be adding at those areas. Yeah. And this is important because you say you have the stats, right? So you did some research before. You don't like come up of nowhere with that idea of adding to your position. Right. What kind of stats do you come up with? What did you search for? Well, it's just a matter of, you know, reviewing your trading results, Uh right? So I think that's obviously part of, I think most traders are pretty good at is, you know, reviewing their trading results and just kind of going over their charts and saying, all right, uh, you know, if you notice in your trading that, you know, you have a tendency to take off your profits too soon, then number one, the first course of action is, well, what can I do to actually begin to hold my trades longer, right? And then what you'll see is that, you know, usually your best working trades for most people, they tend to be ones they hold longer. 
-hmm. that is for me anyways. And then if you recognize that, hey, if you're making the most money when you're holding your trades longer, then you'll immediately see that, hey, I could actually be stacking in this trade here. I can be adding to uh, this trade responsibly at the right times so that you know, I can have outsized winners. Because you know, we all know that trends can run for a really, really long time. So we want to be taking advantage of trends and not you know, taking ourselves out early and then trying to find ways to re-enter again. Because that's always harder to re-enter because you never have the same kind of you know, low-cost entry you may have had at the beginning of that trend. So yeah, I think it's just a matter of doing your homework and it's really kind of individualized based upon your setup because you know, obviously each person has a different setup. It'll, it'll work differently for you know, mean reversion people versus trend following people. I'm more of a trend follower intraday. And also, it also depends on your risk tolerance. So for instance, I don't mind giving back a bit of money with the understanding that I could make a lot more money. That's why I might have a small loser. But I'll, you know, I'll have that, you know, I'll play with that because I'm, you know, I'd rather have a bunch of small losers than have the opportunity to have some really, really big winners. Some people may not want to have small losers, right? They just want to have, you know, small, small winners. And that's yeah. fine. You know, that's, that's the way I trade. Yeah. And it depends on the style you have also. Yeah. I think, yeah. Depending what time frame you trade and everything for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you're an intraday trader, that's the hard part as an intraday trader is that it's very difficult sometimes to add to a position. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes you're right. Time, yeah. Yeah, it's a short time, you know, maybe it's a very, very short time frame chart you're working with. So it's going to be very hard to add to that position. But when things are trending, you know, and if you believe in trend following, as I do, then you really need to be finding opportunities to add to your, to your winning positions. Yeah, that's the key part for sure. Yeah. And the next topic I kind of want to dive into a little bit is the topic of habits. Because I know you're a big mm. person with a lot of habits that you think are helping you out. So what yeah. do you see would be the biggest habit that is impacting you the most, either in trading or in, in life in general? Yeah, good question. And I think, you know, it's like, I have a lot of habits, but the funny thing with habits is that, and I, you know, I think there's the idea that, you know, through discipline comes freedom. Kind of sounds like a paradox, but it's sort of true because what habits allow you to do is that they allow you to kind of work from this area of unconscious competence, right? Like I do some things in a habitual way the point where I don't have to think about them anymore. And they just, they just kind of, you know, uh, play themselves out. So in the beginning, you know, obviously habit creation, habit formation is always, always difficult. You know, they always say it takes 30 or 60 days to create a new habit. I think those numbers are kind of made up, but whatever it is for, for you, I think it's important to have some habits that will allow you to perform the way you want to perform during the trading day. So for instance, I'll share with you my current kind of market pre-ritual routine that I go through to kind of get the best out of my trading day. And hopefully that serves some of your traders or gives some people an idea of what others are doing. So, and you know, things that my training routine is, uh, it's always changing, right? So even though habits are habits, they do change over time because, you know, what may work for you now may not work for you in six months time, right? So it's, you know, it's definitely good to cultivate a good level of self-awareness. So you recognize when things stop working, right? Because you don't want to be doing the same things over and over again if they know that they don't pay out any dividends. So for me, you know, my, my whole perspective around a trading ritual and a kind of routine is that I really believe that trading is a, a performance endeavor. So I kind of want to treat it as such. So just like an athlete would go, you know, warm up and cool down before working out, before, you know, a, a big event, I want to be doing the same thing for trading. So for me, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. So each day, I know I tend to wake up around 5.30 in the morning and I'll spend about, uh, about 20, 30 minutes kind of meditating. And then visualizing and journaling. So the visualization would also include visualizing, you know, how I actually want to perform during the trading day. So some if-then scenarios, you know, thinking about the setups I'm going to be taking, 
and then doing some journaling about things that are, you know, that are going on, going on in my life or in my head. And then I'll do some gratitude work. You know, you know, I've talked about gratitude in the past and you know, I think you, you're very familiar with how important it is to, to be grateful. And, you know, you know, I've said before, you know, at the meetups that really is, is in my opinion, is there's no better life than trading. So I'm really, really grateful every single day, every morning that I get a chance to, you know, get a chance to trade and, and, you know, to enjoy this lifestyle. It's not one that a lot of people get to get to do. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And I, and I definitely, I think about that all the time. And then after my gratitude, I drink my Bulletproof coffee, of course. <laughs> and then I get my kids ready for school and then I head into the office here. And then prior to trading, I'll do what I call a warm-up. So a trading warm-up where I'll actually prime myself both kind of tactically and mentally for the day. Uh, so tactically will mean like, you know, I'll, I'll check the tactical levels for the markets I'm looking at. So that will be like, you know, the S&P, the VIX contracts, uh, you know, the long bond, gold, oil, stuff like that. Then I'll review my game plan for the day. So, you know, what do I want to do today based upon maybe the news that's coming out, maybe the earnings that are coming out and, you know, begin to create some if-then models in my head about how I'll be trading those different kind of scenarios. Then I'll review kind of my process and outcome goals for the day. So, you know, those process goals and outcome goals are kind of very important, right? So you kind of want to have things that you're going to be working on, goals that you can accomplish no matter if you make money or not that day but also have some outcome goals. You know, a lot of people say don't have any outcome goals in trading because you can't control whether or not you make money. And I get that, right? But I think it's important for me anyways to have some outcome goals because they motivate me, right? So if I don't have some, any outcome goal, then personally, I get a bit disengaged. And, you know, I kind of like having the idea of I want to make a certain number of points or a certain amount of hours a day, you know, risk return ratios or, you know, for you, maybe percentages or whatever it may be or pips. It's, I think it's important to have that balance of outcome goals. You don't want to have just outcome goals but having that balance of outcome and process goals. And then as you mentioned, you know, throughout this podcast is my areas of improvement. So what areas do I want to be getting better in? And what are the actual actions I'm going to be taking throughout the day to practice those areas? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of my, my warm routine. So that's kind of how I prime myself for the day. And then, you know, that's one ritual, that's one set of habits. But then at the end of the day, I have that cool down. So and just so, to, to recap yeah. on this, the, the goals you have are changing every single day or you're just writing them down every day and they're, they're the same for like a month? The process goals can, they can change throughout the month. Okay. So there's things that I'm practicing that I'll practice for months at a time, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, practicing and improving, seeing a certain setup or, you know, adding to position at a certain time. Those are things I have to practice all the time. Some things that you, you can learn really quickly, you know, and they can fall off your list very, very quickly. It'll take, you know, five repetitions and you, you get it, right? But so, yeah, my process and outcome goals are constantly shifting. So yeah. then, yeah, what do you do at the end of the day then? Yeah. So I think a lot of people, they don't, they miss this step. So a lot of people do the pre-warm-up stuff and they're like, yeah, yeah, I have a good pre-morning ritual, but then they forget to do the cool down. And so the cool down is not just, you know, just journaling. That's very important. Of course, I'm a big, I know you're a big fan of journaling and getting all your ideas out. Yeah. And, and uh, capturing all things you may have learned and that kind of stuff, but just as important for the learning process of, you know, why that's important. It is also just the mental release part of the cool down process. So, you know, a lot of traders, unfortunately, because they don't do a proper cool down, they carry a lot of emotional baggage that builds up day after day after day, right? It's great when you have some winning days, but guess what? When you don't cool down properly after those winning days, it's actually really easy to get an overinflated ego, right? Where your confidence gets, gets too high because, you know, you don't journal because you made money that day, <laughs> right? It's like, why do I need to journal? I made money. Everything's, everything's good. But what ha- tends to happen is that those folks who don't do the cool down, even after good days, their confidence 
stops being stable. This confidence either gets too high or too low, and that has its own set of you know problems. So journaling and kind of doing this cool down work allows you to begin to release this kind of accumulated baggage, emotional baggage, to allow you to you know keep that kind of detached state. So you're coming to each trading day kind of at a more reset you know level. Never, it's never quite a zero, but you know you can try to be as detached as possible. So for my cool down practice, you know I'll, I'll do a few things. It's basically a few cues, right? So number one, I'll ask myself a bunch of questions and then I'll give myself an assessment. So number one, I'll assess all the things I'm working on that day. Like I said, I usually have three to five things that I'm working on and I will grade myself, right? So I'll give myself, you know, a score between one to five of how I did on those things. And, you know, this keeps me honest. So guess what? If I didn't do it at all, I'll give myself like a zero or one, right? Because I didn't do it at all. Uh, I totally, I totally forgot about that. Some days that happens, right? Even though I've been thinking about practicing those things during the training day, I've got overwhelmed with other things and I didn't work on those things. Some days those opportunities just don't happen, right? So maybe I didn't get a chance to stack at all that day. And so that's basically is a not applicable day, but I make a note of that as well. And then I'll ask myself, you know, about things that are happening during the trading day. So for instance, like you know, we've said already, tactical and mental things like, did I learn anything that day? So whether or not I made any money or not, did I learn anything in that session? I think it's really important, right? Because ideally, you, you want to try to learn something each and every single trading day. So try to spend that bit of time, right? To tease out those little things. Even if it's just kind of a fluff or it seems really, really small to you, it really helps. And I think some of these questions that I'll, you know, I'll ask myself will, will help, right? So for instance, you might want to review the trades that make you think really hard, whether or not you made any money. So even if you made money on it, that doesn't matter, right? Which trades made you think hard, right? And usually those trades are the ones you can learn from. Review your mental states, right? And emotional states throughout the day. Which of those trades that you took caused or, you know, which of the points in that trading day caused the most amount of mental stress or anguish, right? So thinking about those areas there can, can reveal a lot. Obviously, you know, reviewing your best and worst decisions of the day. So sometimes it's not just the trades that you took, but the trades that you didn't take, right? That can give you a lot of good lessons. Evaluate just, you know, the overall conditions of the market because sometimes... You can execute perfectly, but because of the variance or the randomness of the market, you know, you had a, a negative PL resort result, or maybe your PL wasn't as good as it could have been. But not being able to distinguish the markets from your own performance can lead to a bit of uncertainty in your levels of confidence. Because sometimes, again, trading is out of your control or the results are out of your control, right? And if you're doing everything right, but you don't recognize that it's the randomness that's causing your poor results then you, sometimes you can beat yourself up unnecessarily. Sure. So having and beginning to cultivate the skill of understanding randomness mm-hmm. or seeing, it is a skill. You can see, all right, this is actually just randomness, right? Like this is just a bunch of noise, right? Over time, that actually becomes scaling. And so, you know, you can, you get better identifying areas of noise. Whereas before you're like, oh, I guess that was something significant there. No, it probably was just noise. And you just happened to got gotten chopped up in that noise. Other things like, you know, what did I do well? What did I do that didn't go well? And again, like I said before, you know, what are the things that I'm practicing and how I did those things? And ultimately, you know, all these things that I'm noting in my cool down routine feeds back into my warm up routine. So it turns into that kind of virtuous cycle of learning that we kind of started this conversation with is that we want to have that nice feedback loop. And the fact that, you know, I trade intraday, I can have these really, really tight feedback loops that are feeding into each other every single day. Mm-hmm. And this was what, what allows for kind of accelerated learning is when we can shorten our feedback loops so we can learn the lessons more quickly. But I think a big misconception people are going to have here is that 
this is only for day trading, but you can mm. really do it on the weekend if you want. Like if you're really oh, yeah. time frame. Absolutely. So I think it's important to mention. Oh, definitely. And you know, you may not get the same feedback that I'm getting because I trade intraday, so I get lessons every single day. But especially for folks who are trading on a higher time frame, it's really important to do this work because the lessons come more slowly. So if you don't listen, you won't get the lesson, right? And that means you're going to repeat the experience. Maybe it's a bad experience. You're going to repeat the experience until you learn the lesson. So yeah, definitely for higher time frame traders, yeah, doing the work and, you know, yeah, and doing the journaling, all this kind of stuff will definitely pay dividends. Yeah. And I think every week where you do not learn anything or you just waste, I think you're wasting a lot of time that way. So That's it. It's yeah. Like, can be a long time, can be like a year and then you realize it didn't make any progress. So that's it. Yeah. And that a lot of people that happens to a lot of people, right? Yeah, or, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You, you know, you look back, it's like, wow, half you weren't by already. And I'm kind of in the same place I was before. And if you're finding yourself there, it's exactly as Etienne said, it's because unfortunately you haven't built into your process yet a way for you to understand when you're doing things right or wrong. Right. And so you need to build into your process, however you do it, whether it's, you know, through writing on physical paper or Evernote or, you know, some other media like recording notes for yourself on your iPhone or whatever, just some way for you to begin to yeah, capture the lessons so that you can actually learn them. Mm -hmm. And is this everything you wanted to mention about the routines or do you have anything else to mention? I think that's, you know, those are the high level ones, you know, like uh, probably one of the most important things for me is, is, you know, the practice of meditation as well as the gratitude. I think that keeps me very centered because, you know, training intraday can, you know, trading, a, you know, just trading general can be a, a stressful endeavor. But yeah, that habit of meditation has definitely, for me, been a, a big shift. Yeah. Cool. And so as much as I receive email of people who blow up their account, like they blew up a couple of accounts and stuff, I receive a lot of email of people who want to leave their job, right? That's their mm. best, like they're probably their number one goal. They want to be able to trade and to not have a job at the same time. Yeah, and sure. able to do that, but it's not something easy to do. And it's not something that you can do in a month, for sure. Right. So like, what are the steps do you think people should follow for that? And it's not like prescription. It's not like everyone has to do that. But what do you think are the thing you had to put in place? And what kind of return did you want to have before leaving your job? Sure. And yeah, so I think you said, I don't think there are any general prescriptions for this because a lot of this is going to be very individualized, right? So a lot of this is going to be about your life, you know, your, the lifestyle you want to keep, maybe your current life circumstances, and kind of what your goals are and your level of risk is in terms of a risk appetite. Because obviously, if you're a young person and you have no obligations and, you know, very few commitments, then it's going to be a fairly, it's an easier leap than someone who's, you know, maybe older, is carrying a mortgage, has a family and has to be the, you know, maybe the sole breadwinner. That's, you know, a way, way different end of the spectrum there. And so a lot of it has to do with the stuff that, you know, that I think everyone talks about, obviously, is the kind of the more, I guess, tactical and number stuff, like, you know, having a system that actually has an edge, having a proven track record, those are all things that are important, right? So at the very minimum, you have to have a level of consistency where you've shown that you can make money over time. At the same time, you also need to show that you're able to dig yourself out of a hole, right? So if you've only been trading for a year and you've never sustained any drawdown, then you don't really know what trading's about yet. Right. Like mm -hmm. eventually you will have a drawdown where you're going to go from your peak of your portfolio to, you know, you lose what, 10, 20, 30, 30%, whatever that number is. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you have any experience actually digging yourself out of that and becoming profitable again? And if you've never done that, then you may not want to try that when it's your full time job, right? Because that's going to be an experience that's, that is a bit stressful and you may want to have some backup income while you're learning that lesson. 
But most importantly, you know, for me, you know, I've been training for 10 years is that, and this is more of an intangible, but I think you really have to have number one, a high degree of commitment and a high degree of faith. And these are things that are kind of intangible, right? Because I know some people, they didn't have everything together in terms of all the numbers, but you knew looking at them that this was going to be their life, right? And they were going to burn all the bridges and they were going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And they found a way to make it happen, right? And so sometimes, you know, if you have faith, then that can carry you forward. And this is going to be, you know, for certain people, that, that may be enough. Others, you know, if you're more analytical, then you're going to have to really crunch the numbers, right? Like, are you going to have, you know, do you have 12 months of living expenses to sustain yourself in case things go really badly, right? Mm-hmm. And will you be able to pay all your bills and rent and all that kind of stuff? I would say a minimum of 12 months so that you can get up on your feet. Because like any business, the first year is always the hardest year, right? Whether yeah. you're talking about opening up a coffee shop or, you know, opening up a large company, that first year of business is a, is a tough year as, you know, you get, you know, you get jostled around and you, and you learn new things. So having some padding there, I think is probably the most important thing so that you don't feel stressed when you trade. Because I think one of the most important things, you know, whether you're a full-time trader or not, is that it's really important. And I can't remember who said this, but it's really important to see the markets as they are and not to try to impose our beliefs or our needs on the market. So, you know, if you're a full-time trader and you have a lot of doubts and you have a lot of insecurities because you need to make money to pay bills, then that's going to pollute the way you see the markets, right? Mm -hmm. And so at that point, you're going to impose your needs on the market and you're going to begin to trade or you're going to want the market to behave in a certain way so that you could trade a certain way. And that's not productive. That's no longer kind of rooted in objective reality. So, you know, again, the more buffer you have, you know, the less stress you can maintain in your life, then, you know, the, the better chance you're going to give yourself in your first year of trading. So that's, that's the kind of guidance I would give. Yeah. And I think people are different. Some people need to kind of see the, that they have a backup, that they're kind of okay with <laughs> leaving their job for like a year or something. Yeah. But some people don't need that. Like yeah. I'm more the first type. I, I think I need to have some like plan and everything in place. Yeah. But I think some people don't care and they're just going to try it. And if they fail, then they're just going to go back to their job. So I think yeah. it depends a lot. Yeah, exactly. And there's no, I don't think there's any right or wrong way because I've seen people succeed in both ways and I've seen people fail in both ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, you know, I think someone gave me this really good piece of advice, you know, in the past and they said, you know, if you have a really, really big decision to make, you got to do a, you know, cost benefit analysis, right? Mm-hmm. Put all the pros and all the cons together and then crunch the numbers. Then once you got all the numbers together, throw it away <laughs> and then go with your gut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, believe in yourself for sure. Yeah, exactly. Believe in yourself because at the end of the day, that's what's going to sustain you. And for me, I'm a balance of, between those two. Like, you know, I need to see uh-huh. the numbers and I need to have faith, but I'm kind of in the middle. I'm kind of in the middle in terms of my personality. But I really do believe that in this game of trading, you really have to have a high degree of kind of mental fortitude and, and trust in yourself mm-hmm. that you're going to be able to, to do and, and that you're going to be able to succeed. And if, if you don't have that conviction and it comes back to commitment again, then, 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 yeah, you may not be ready yet to make that leap. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So how can people find you if they want to reach out or talk with you or something? Yeah, you can find me on my blog, uh, thetradingedge.org. Or if you're in Montreal, you can come out, hang out with myself and Etienne every month at the uh, Montreal Traders Meetup, right? We do it every month. So uh, come on out and, uh, and join us and, uh, and, yeah, sit back and have some drinks and have fun. And what kind of goal do you have for the future? Oh, man, I just want to continue to yeah, have fun, man. This has kind of been, you know, the story of this year. Just, uh, it's just, 
you know, do things that I'm having fun doing because it doesn't feel like work at that point. You know, like I spent 15 years in corporate doing work that I didn't think was that fun. And now to be a short every single day to work and, you know, hang out with a group of guys in the, in the trading space here and have fun trading. And yeah, man, it's, it's, there's nothing better than that. So I just want to keep having fun this year and, and next year. So that's, that, those are the goals. I love that. And I'm not sure if I had that question when I first interviewed you 69 episodes ago. So I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> All right. If you could give only one piece of advice for traders in one sentence, what would that one sentence of advice be? Oh, good question. Hmm. All right. I'll answer this by, you know, keeping with the theme of today's show, I'll answer by saying knowledge should not be an end in itself. Prioritize skills over knowledge. So that simply means you pick up the knowledge so you can develop the skills that you, that you need in your trading. So what should you be able to do afterwards? That's what you want to be thinking about. Not just thinking about knowledge and thinking about what you want to learn, but what should I be able to do after I learn these things? Love that. It's powerful. So Usain, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. We'll definitely catch up and probably see us pretty soon in the future at a meetup or something. Cool. And that's pretty cool. All right, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Nice. All right, guys. So I hope you got something out of this interview with Usain Trong. And as I said in the beginning, there's a giveaway that Usain has been able to put up. He's giving access to his ultimate trading course that he built called Keys to Your Trading Business. This is a course we spent a lot of time building, and I've been through the course myself. It's huge. Usun is willing to give it to one person as a giveaway for the holidays. That's worth over $3,000. But you do have to register. The only thing you need is to enter your name and email. Simply go on thisartitrade.com forward slash giveaway. thisartitrade.com forward slash giveaway. All in one word. And you'll be able to enter that giveaway right now. Ustun is going to give you until January 2nd, at which point you'll decide who's going to be the contest winner. So I recommend you subscribe because and you have the chance to win a huge trading course that Ustun, a professional trader as you've seen, has been able to build. So go check that out. If you want to connect with me after the show, check out thisartitrade.com forward slash group and you can join the Facebook group for free. And on that note, I'll see you next week with the second episode of the holiday special edition of the Desire to Trade podcast. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Desire to Trade podcast. To get all the information on this show, free articles, and unique resources, make sure to check out www.desiretotrade.com and subscribe. Please leave us a review and let us know what you thought about the show. It's time to become the best trader you can be. See you next time.